Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this final leg of Season 5, I'm reading my way through every single goddamn page in The Revenge of Kang, the final module in the Time Warp Adventure series for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes role-playing game. And as I do, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on each page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Revenge of Kang was written by Ray Winninger and was published in 1990. Today we're discussing page 18 of The Revenge of Kang. This page concludes chapter number one, which I will now clue you in, is entitled Something Rotten in Manhattan. And after the unbelievable bullshit we got yesterday, our heroes step out of the time machine to encounter some more unbelievable bullshit that I cannot believe is not the dumbest thing on this page. But it does deserve discussion, so let's get to it. When the pointless, costly piloting sequence is finally over, and the rolls have been made, and the turbulence has been overcome, the bodies of the bulkhead casualties have been prepared for burial, the judge reads the players the following, quote, You finally make your way out of the temporal turbulence, and the time machine comes to a halt. You've missed your spatial destination since the turbulence threw off your guidance system, but you're sure that you have returned to the proper time. Opening the viewport, you find you've materialized just off Fifth Avenue in downtown Manhattan. Right across the street, you can see a large crowd that has assembled to watch a nearby stately manor go up in flames. Both the police and the fire department have yet to arrive on the scene. A fire in midtown Manhattan is always a curious scene. This one is particularly curious, since you are quite certain the burning building is the legendary Avengers Mansion. So, Avengers Mansion is burning, and just in case we hate the East Coast Avengers, then a secretary runs out of the building, screaming, There are still at least four people in there! So, it's not just their house that's burning, it's potentially maybe actual Avengers. Let's go handle this. However, quote, as the heroes approach the mansion, they will also notice that the sign out front, which used to read Avengers Mansion, now reads Dynatech Inc. So with that little clue out of the way, it is now time to pull out the map and handle the mansion fire. There's a map of Avengers Mansion. It's got indications all over it of where the flames are, what their intensity is. Our heroes have to find their route into the mansion to look around, rescue the people. There's a list here of powers and abilities that you might want to use to deal with this situation, like weather control, wind powers, water powers. Special mention is made of the idea of running to Hudson Bay, filling up a freight car with water, running back to the scene and dumping it on the fire, uh, which seems like a very specific plan of action to get individual attention in this book. You can always tell which ideas the author likes a lot. But yeah, other than using powers to help put out the flames, this is just rescuing people from a fire. You take fire damage if you go through the fire. Uh, every turn you're in the building, you have to make an excellent intensity endurance feat or take typical damage from smoke. So that's more damage to pile on you. Not to mention that you're low on karma. Not to mention that any powers that have limited uses may be suffering, like Sunspot's powers from last time. If he transformed to avoid damage in the time machine, he won't be able to transform now. But your heroes, so even though the chips are down and your health and your karma and your powers have already been depleted, you run through the building. But courage is not enough. There are still two key mistakes you can make that will lead to tragedy on today's page. Number one, if you stop with four people, you're going to be disturbed to learn afterward that there was a fifth person inside the burning mansion, and this person is likely not going to fare well. That has to do with the second mistake that you can make, which is to not ask enough specific questions about the scenery inside the burning building. Quote, Inform anyone who specifically asks about the scenery inside the mansion that the entire structure is dominated by research labs and scientific equipment. Inside many of these labs are strange dispensers that disperse exotic gases used in various experiments. Anyone noticing the dispensers can easily trace the gas lines down to a series of tanks in the basement, and anyone entering the basement automatically discovers the tanks as well. Unless the tanks are found and removed, or all of the flames in the basement are extinguished by the end of the eighth round, the gas tanks will explode. 
inflicting incredible damage on anyone within the mansion and excellent damage to anyone within three areas of the mansion outside. So, if you forget to ask about the scenery inside, and you're focused on saving the four people you know about, not the one that you don't, you'll likely miss that fifth person, and on round eight, likely, the flames in the basement are going to make the tank catch, so even if you've got the whole above-ground mansion put out, the whole thing will explode, killing anyone who's still inside, as well as a bunch of bystanders. When you come outside, the press is here, regular people watching this place burn, a lot of them are going to die too. It's going to be a huge disaster. The author does not seem to consider the possibility that any of this might happen. Quote, Once the heroes have doused the flames or finished rescuing the trapped bystanders, a group of excited reporters suddenly rushes up and asks for interviews. Roleplay the confrontation. <laughs> Which is an interesting way to approach the press. Quote, Among the questions that the reporters will ask are, What are your names? How did you get your extraordinary abilities? Who are you beneath those masks? Are you from New York? Do you plan to stay in this area? <laughs> that last guy, I think, is a podcaster. His listeners have very niche interests. These are the first superheroes in this reality since World War II we're going to discover that have ever been spotted. And this guy's like, excuse me, excuse me. I've got a podcast about Manhattan. It's called Manhattan Man. Can you tell me where's your favorite place to get sandwiches in Manhattan? Thank you. Can you tell me that? Hold on, I'm pointing my Zoom over there. I can't pay you for an interview, but I can give you a hat that says Manhattan Man hat. It's on my web store. I can give you a coupon code. Whether or not you decide to engage these journalists and podcaster, uh, you will realize what's going on here. And this will be solidified for you when you hear reporters recording spots for the TV news. An example is given. Quote, This is Ronald Edwards outside the Dynatech mansion in downtown Manhattan. Today, a group of costumed heroes, the first to appear in the United States since World War II, helped rescue bystanders trapped inside the raging inferno. No alternate text is given for <laughs> the likely event that things do not go that well. The GM is just going to have to improvise. Like, Today, a group of costumed heroes, the first to appear in the United States since World War II, tried to help bystanders trapped inside a raging inferno. One of them, who had a broken nose and appeared to already be concussed, immediately choked to death on smoke. Another, a wolf, according to bystanders, attempted to pull out an unconscious office worker with her wolf teeth, and then she caught on fire, and then she died. Finally, one of the heroes emerged from the building, with the four reported bystanders in hand. But just as he began to say, all in a day's work, previously unnoted gas tanks beneath the mansion exploded, inflicting horrible third-degree burns on everyone assembled to watch the blaze, including this reporter, Ouch, and a previously unnoticed fifth office worker's burning corpse exploded out of the building and landed at the hero's feet, because he was just having that kind of day. But whether this turns into a full-blown tragedy, or is just, as I think it is intended to be, an exciting rescue scene, it gets the point across. You are now in a world where... You are the first superheroes anybody's seen since World War II. No Avengers, no Spider-Man, no Daredevil, etc. At this point, we get some text for the judge to explain what is going on here, and it's pretty spoilery, but I'm going to read you a small part of it, because it's the dumbest thing in this page, and I need you to hear it. Quote, The temporal turbulence which the heroes encountered earlier was the result of blah blah blah, the things that Kang did. Quote, The PCs were not affected by Kang's maneuvering, since they were traveling in time at the moment history was altered. Jesus. So, as much as it pains me, we do have to sometimes accept that a time travel story is on San Dimas time, right? Like in Bill and Ted, the clock in San Dimas is always running. Sometimes when you're constructing a time travel story, you just make it so that wherever you go in time, things are passing in every time at the same rate so that you can have drama, so that you can have a clock. If someone leaves in their evil time machine to go kill George Washington, you need to hurry to your time machine because they may not have killed George Washington during the Revolutionary War yet, but maybe in five or ten minutes they will have killed George Washington 
in the Revolutionary War. So you need to get to your time machine first and go back and stop them. It doesn't make any sense, but it is what it is. It's an accepted trope of time travel. Sometimes we just accept San Dimas time. We are not in San Dimas at this point. We are at least in Long Beach. We may be in the ocean. This is fucked. What it's saying here is that when we were in our time machine, outside time, that was the same moment as when Kang was back in 1963 giving Peter Parker self-esteem so that he would never turn into Spider-Man or whatever. That was the that was the same moment. That was the moment that history changed. And at that moment, we were outside of time and space. So we were not affected. This whole, like, meanwhile in the past thing is already pretty dubious, pretty confusing. But I want to point out, minor spoilers, about 12 chapters from now, we are finally going to get to this Kang thing. And we are going to go back. And we are going to stop him from telling Peter Parker he's a pretty cool guy or whatever. So that Kang does not do that thing. And history is fine, right? But that thing that we're going to do to prevent anything from changing, that isn't now as we are standing in the time machine. That's not this moment. Like what, where we are outside time, it's not right now. What is right now is when Kang does tell Peter Parker he's a cool dude, even though we stop him and he never does tell Peter Parker he's a cool dude. But when he does that, even though it doesn't happen, the time that he does that thing that he doesn't do is the very moment that we were outside of time. Keep in mind that this does not apply to all time machines traveling at all times. Lots of time machines going back and forth in the vortex. We've always got death locks and cables and bishops going back and forth in time. I mean, you need a 12-lane highway through the Marvel Universe timeline just for Kangs. Just everyone on the road is a Kang, trying to get to their time business in a timely fashion, beeping their time horns at the other Kangs. But the difference is, all of those time ships that are outside time the ones that took off from our future, the ones that took off from our past, our time machines, the one that we're in when we time traveled before, all the times in the future when we'll time travel in the same time machine, none of them were outside time at precisely the moment that Kang did the thing that he never actually did. Obviously, this is pervasively dumb to an extent that I cannot fully explore in the context of what is meant to be a short daily podcast. But let me narrow it down to two things that particularly bother me about this situation. Number one, when you tell me, well, this didn't affect you because you were in a time machine at the very moment that Kang was doing blah, 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 that's too much. You had me a time machine because I don't know how time machines work. That's for you to dictate as the author, as the judge. I don't know. I don't know how a time machine works. You could tell me anything. How does it work with conservation of matter? How does it work with conservation of energy? How does it determine which spatial coordinates to go to when it goes through time? Do these trips that we make actually alter timelines or just switch between timelines from our subjective experiences? Why don't time machines have seatbelts? I don't know any of these things. They're mysteries. So when you tell me you weren't affected because you were in a time machine, that's fine. That's it. Stop there. If you then go on to tell me that it's because I was outside time at the precise moment that a thing didn't happen, it's like, are you daring me to fight with you? You, you just could have, you just could have shut up. You were talking about time machines and you were making zero sense and I accepted it. And then you pressed on into making negative sense. I demanded no answers and you disappointed me. Secondly, and this is very pertinent to all of our heroes that we're following, including now the newly added New Mutants. Here we are in modern day Manhattan. All the superheroes have vanished. Now. They're gone now. Because Kang is, from a certain point of view, done with certain tasks that we aren't going to witness for like a dozen chapters. But when we do witness them, we're going to stop them from happening. 
But from our perspective right now, they're done. Once we go to those events, they're not going to happen. And when we come back to Manhattan, the superheroes will be here. The Avengers will be here. Captain America will be here. As though nothing ever happened. Because nothing did happen. But fucking up the timeline so that Captain America stayed frozen indefinitely was not the only effect that Kang's time maneuverings had. They also created a shit ton of time turbulence that whipped my head into my time steering wheel because I happened to be time traveling at the moment that Kang did that shit. But then, in a dozen chapters, I went to Kang when he did that shit, and I grabbed his little purple glove fist, and I said, hey, don't do that shit. And he didn't. So the turbulence never happened. So what I would like to do now is get in my time machine and go back to Manhattan and walk up the steps to Avengers Mansion and knock on the door, and when Captain America answers, I'll shake his hand and I'll say, hey, Cap, it's great to have you back. I'm so glad that you escaped from the abyss of non-existence. I have a question for you. And Captain America will say, what's that? And I'll say, while you were there, did you see my 36 goddamn hit points? Because what seems like happens is that every time somebody fucks with time, I get thrown into the bulkheads and lose a million hit points. And then when time changes again, not only do I not get my hit points back, usually I get thrown into the same fucking bulkhead again. Where are my hit points? Where, where in time and space are my 36 hit points? So anyway, that's chapter one. Uh, <laughs> the problem is I have too much empathy. I have too much empathy for my experience as a GM and as a player. This is bullshit. Even though I'm not, I'm not involved in this. I'm not losing hit points, but I feel like I'm the one losing hit points in these bullshit scenes. Anyway, while my patience may have given out, our heroes are heroes. They've still got at least a few drops of patience left in the tank, and they've got not only more patience than I do, but considerably less self-preservation. Because if you can possibly believe it, they are now filing back into the cursed time machine to go back into the time stream to time travel again to try to sort out this vanished hero's problem. Join me next time when our trusty time ride performs as fucking expected on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's music, used under Creative Commons license, is Take Us to the Nearest Starbase by Astrometrics, whose work you can find at soundcloud.com slash astrometricsband.